Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Peak Pros Podcast, Episode 7. Mia Sweet over here with myself, Brian Tenenhouse from Peak Performance Therapy and Wellness. We are introducing today two of my favorite athletes that I've gotten to know over the last several years, Meg Pennington and Carrie Cancroft. Um, so to start out with, I just want to kind of introduce them and let them talk briefly about what they're doing currently, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what they've done a couple years ago and, and take it from there. So, um, Carrie, since you're right next to me, talk to me a little bit about, you know, are you, are you training these days or what are you up to these days in terms of athletics and that sort of thing? Um, less volume, but yeah, training a little bit, running, biking mostly. And so it's COVID time still. Hopefully one day that'll be behind us. And so it's been kind of a unique um, like vibe in the triathlon and, and really sports community because everyone, part of the reason why Carrie's not training like hardcore, I'm pretty sure, is because there's been no races for six plus months. So um, so yeah, so I think she's, she's training more than she lets on. But the truth is, she didn't have late classes, you know, a month ago, and, and that's that. So, Meg, what about yourself? What are you up to these days? Um, same idea, like not as much volume, right? Like what we would have for a typical Ironman training. But um, I've actually kind of shifted to cycling. Okay. Um, kind of taking this opportunity to focus solely on that, um, which has been really fun, actually, to kind of try something different. Okay. Um, mountain biking, cyclocross, gravel. Okay. Yeah. Do you normally pick an event and like let's say COVID wasn't happening right now, you normally pick an event and then you go backwards to figure out what your training is and, and what that volume would look like? Pretty so, much. Is that normally the yeah. race you guys yeah. for the race? Yeah. For your A race? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's such weird times and speaking about volume and what are you doing this spring specifically? So let's talk about what what you have your sights set for, like what are your upcoming goals? So I'm hoping that things will return to normal and that yeah. next summer um, I'll be late classed in 2021. Yeah. We'll see if it's happening. Iron, yeah. Iron Man Iron late classed. Late classed. So yeah, how many late classes have you done now? That, I that have done three. Okay. Wow. Late classes. Wow. Cool. And so when I first met both of these girls, they were um, successful Iron Woman women. Um, and specifically in 2018, they both had a really fun, fun year. 2018 was a good year. Um, so qualifying for Kona is something that basically most triathletes will never get to even dream about. So they both managed to do it in the same year, um, which was just really cool and magical. I mean, I think I've heard the story a couple times from both of them. I'd love to hear it again. We're going to let uh, Meg, why don't you talk a little bit about that season and, and the culmination of, of what ended up happening that day for you? starts 
I mean, I'm trying to think the official date here that we've actually started. We, we started, we trained at a local um, cycling studio in Brantford, um, Connecticut Cycle Center. So it started way back in like January. Yeah. Or, you know, where officially just, January. Officially, weeks yeah. Laying that base, that foundation. Um, a couple hour rides in there. And then we start to move outdoors. Um, we would, you know, we'd ride two or three times a week and then we'd have our long ride Saturday, long run Sunday typically. And that's the stuff where just those long rides together um, was like the foundation. We just, it was a blast, but we also worked really hard um, and very dedicated. All um, types of weather. Oh, we yeah. Shine. That's a great point. Freezing, all cold weather in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, which actually paid off really, really well for us that day. Race day, the weather on the bike course um, was brutal. And, and Lake Placid, the elevation and stuff, it, we had one type of weather on one end of the course, completely different weather on the It's like mind blowing to hear that. Yeah. One half of the course was completely stuck under a storm oh. with hail, literally. Oh, that was 40 <laughs> degrees. Wind. Wind like crazy. Yeah. Comical almost. It's yeah. just. It's like really everything that could happen did happen. Like, <laughs> Murphy's Law. Well, we like, traded for it. But that, we traded that type that's of weather. Yeah. We really did. Both so. of us heading out. We discussed it afterwards that when we were heading out on that bike course and we were in different waves starting. So we didn't really see each other on the course. We passed each other on the run. But um, but we both had that same thought of like, well, I trained in this, so I'm ready to go. You know, it was a confident feeling, and we both trained with heart rate, which is great for weather, and because it takes you're you're strictly looking at how your body's reacting and pushing yourself to that limit. Um, so when it, for endurance, you know, when it came to the run, we were both ready to go. Whereas people that kind of went over their number on that bike course, yeah. maybe because they thought I should have been here. But the wind and the weather really forced everyone, or should have forced everyone, to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so when it came to the run, you were both strong. So it's 112 miles of biking. Um, and what's the elevation gain in that, you know, I think is it 7,000 foot plus or so? I think it's less than that. I think okay. it's 76. Okay. So what is the fastest? that you guys have gone down a hill on tires that are like this narrow. Oh, we had some train. We did. We were lucky enough to go up to Lake Placid twice together to train on the course. Um, and I do think one of those times, what did we clock? I'm pretty sure we hit 50. Yeah, I think it was pretty fast. Yeah. Which is insane. I, I, I personally have gone down, I think like 41 or so. And for me, like you're you're chattering, you're you're really kind of in a crazy place, and um, and I'm not a great cyclist. I couldn't hang with these girls, so I can't imagine. Now, what about the slowest that you've looked at your little clock and you're trying to climb a super steep hill? It's sometimes like four or five miles per hour. <laughs> it's pretty daunting some of those hills. Yeah. yeah, they are. But you know what? We live in an area that is absolutely perfect training grounds for that course. Yes. Yeah. We don't train on hills. You know, you're up or down. It's have, we really do have, have either of you ever had bike malfunctions during a race, like you know, broken a chain or you know, and you can change that yourself too, right? You're supposed to change that yourself. Yeah, so they do have bike support that is floating around, um, which I was actually lucky enough. My first half was Patriot in 2006, 
a flat on the bike at the very end of the bike, and I did not have anything with me, which is a huge mistake. And I learned from that. <laughs> <laughs> mistake. Yeah. Rookie mistake. Um, but I was very so I actually pulled over and was like cheering the spectators um, because I didn't have anything. Oh. And they happened to drive by. They helped me. I took back off again and ended up having a great race. I, at that point, I was like, I'm going to just try and run down as many people as I can. Wow. But I learned. But that was the knock on wood. How long did you have to wait for them to come by? Um, oh, in my mind, it was like half an hour. But it, realistically, it was probably like maybe less than 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Nice. It wasn't, it was not. I was very lucky. Every minute feels like an eternity. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. 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 So, no, go ahead. I was going to say, when you see each other on the course, Oh, I'm going to catch her. Or, what's your mindset? This is great. She is all business. Oh, Barely get a smile out of it. They're like, I don't even know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. Yeah. But in Coda, she's like, Rock, but as soon as you go by it, 
you know, be prepared to like be hit from the side. Oh, definitely. Just even on the training rides, I'd follow Megan and I'd see her bike go like this, and then I'd like raise myself because I would know.
get on the podium. Yeah. And but it was a different feeling in Kona because I didn't really care. Like, yeah. but, however, I, mean, I wanted to see how I measured up in the world, but like, yeah. I, I didn't have any expectations, and I'm glad because it probably wouldn't have. You know, yeah. I'm do so bad though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, I even had a PR in Kona. I have to say though, like that run, that's the first race where I had the exact same thought of like, this is going to be hard to finish, and I've never had that um, thought of like finishing it's always been like what am I pushing for but I actually like the first few miles of the run I'm like oh you're gonna have to dig deep for this mm -hmm. um, and you do go through all those mindsets of you know the first part of the run you're, you're heading kind of into town a little bit and it's, it's just hot I mean the whole thing is hot and exposed but then you get up you run up this hill and you're on this highway oh, it's okay. just you're looking straight and all you can see is smoke, you know, the wow. heat. like the heat waves coming off the highway, and then you just see people, you know, like you have to kind of put blinders on because you see people like dropping like flies, and so you just have to think like, like you got to like tunnel vision of you know what you need to do. For me, it was every station. I just like you, you kind of force some stuff down. Um, I'm I, I was lucky. I had like a you know rock hard stomach. Um, but I remember, like, you turn around in this energy lab, they call it, and it is like you go down and it's you baking in there. But oh, it was coming out of there. I saw Carrie. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, you, you lied to me. me. <laughs> you were strong. I'm like, oh, she's so a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the thing is, like, I kept, they, they give you rags, and I had a cooling rag. It's one that you can, like, dip and shake it and put it on you. And oh. so, like, every station, I, I, I always wear a trucker hat. I, when I started doing Ironmans, I switched to trucker hat from visors because for me, I would put ice and um, sponges in it. So as every station, so I literally have ice up here, ice down my shirt. Oh, ice um, everywhere. They literally yeah. dump buckets of ice um, water yeah. over your head Ooh. to keep you cool. Um, the support on that race is unbelievable. We drilled holes in our <laughs> shoes um, so they drink, to let the water drain um, because you're just, you're constantly soaking Wow. Um, I wore a sleeve suit for that reason, like just, it doesn't, you know, you think like I, want, I don't want to wear a lot, but the sleeves actually helped because I could keep it wet and it kept it cool, especially on the bike, but so, it, I was so happy to see her in that oh lab and, and we were still so far out, um, it's so but far it's, the other thing too, like that race is so cool because you're there, I mean usually we saw, we, we raced with pros in Placid, which was awesome, but that's a race where like you know, the, you see all the pros, and so we were heading out on the run, and a lot of the pros, you know, they're going through the same things we are, and to see them struggle, suffer. and you can see, like, some of them, these are phenomenal athletes, suffering. Oh, it is. It's like, wow, okay, we're all human out here. Yeah. You know, like, it was kind of, I don't know, it was put in perspective. It's uh, one of the most alarming things to see, like, there's a highway divider. It's about this big. It gave off about six inches of shade, and people were literally <laughs> up against it to be out of the sun for like, literally lined up on this divider. Like, oh my gosh! Yeah. And you, I could see why they were doing it. Like the sun. Did you do it too? No. I didn't <laughs> Real quick, to put it in perspective, so Meg got first in her age group, 
right? At Lake Placid. At yeah. Lake Placid. By 20, how many minutes? Oh, yeah, 25. Pressure competition. Wow. Um, well, how fast did you do? And some people don't even know. 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and a marathon, 26.2 miles of running. You, there is a transition between the two transitions, and there's a reason for those transitions because you actually have to change your attire and, and this and that. But in the whole kit and caboodle, Meg did it in. Lake Placid? I feel like, was it like 10, 10, 54? So, oh, it was only a couple minutes fast. So, yeah. less than 11 hours. This is yeah. insane. <laughs> um, it's hard to, I, yeah, like Carrie said, like, I can't believe our bodies let us do this. It's seriously awesome. So, so Meg's story is, is that she just crushed her competition. <laughs> Carrie's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her tell <laughs> her story. It's a really cool story, but it, you know, you can tell as much or as little as you want, but I'll, I'll never forget this story. Um, her coach helped her along the way. She did the work. Her coach helped for sure, and actually it was Meg's coach as yes. well. And Best Kobe, who's mm -hmm. who's done some great job with a lot of local athletes. Yeah. Um, so you, if yeah. you want to talk about it all, that's you can. Well, people. Would my goal for that race, I I actually just to back up. In 2017, I did the race and set a goal for myself to get on the podium, mm -hmm. and I came up shy. Which is top three. Right. Top five. Top five, yeah. Top five is the podium, and I was number seven, so it's close. And so I signed right back up again the next year, just with the same goal in mind. And um, I trained a little bit differently. You know, I trained with Megan, and I also added more run and run to the uh, to my run volume, like an extra run day. But anyway, so my goal was just to get on the podium, and when I came. Uh, off of the bike, I knew that I was in third place. And, and, and I came off of the swim, I was 29th out of the water in my age group. And after the bike, I was third. So all I have to do is keep doing, you know, stay in third and I'll get my goal. Anyway, so halfway through the uh, race, Ed had been kind of positioning himself throughout the course and gives you little updates as you go by. And um, so he said, just keep your, like, Closing the gap, and I looked at him like, there'll be no gap. This is as I can and this is it. The gap is not closing, but I'm happy with her if I can just yeah. stay here. Anyway, so I get a little further, and it's like, you're, you're closing in, you're in second place. And then it dawns on me, like, oh my gosh, like, I could actually go to Coda. And so it was for the first time that I had even thought about, like, that that could be possible for me because it wasn't a goal. Kona was never even, I didn't really even dream about Kona to be perfectly honest. Um, so, but anyway, towards the end of this race, I think I had five miles to go and I just kept, you know, I was doing the best I could. So if, if someone was going to pass me, they were, it was just, that was what I had had and I was giving it all I had. But anyway, the last mile, Ed says, you're, no, he told, the last time I saw him before that, he said, you have a two-minute lead. You're in second place by two minutes. You know, and I'm like, okay. And then so, and then, and then a mile ago, he goes, you only have one minute. And then with that, this woman, who's the third place, passes me physically. So she's ahead of me physically, but time-wise, I still have a minute on her. Okay. So the whole time, she, he's like, that's her. He's screaming at me. I could see his jugular vein literally <laughs> popping out of his neck on the on the side of the course saying, Give it all you got, go! And she she hears him yelling. And she takes <laughs> off. 
takes off. I, and I'm like, oh my god. She's like, is it? She hears that and she's like, oh, there's no way this girl's beating me. She sprinted literally the last mile. And I'm chasing her down, forcing you literally like, oh, how big is the minute? How much distance? Like, I, you know, I'm thinking like, I don't know what it is. And so I like raced, really, I did race as hard as I could. And I crossed the finish line, kind of not knowing. I thought it was less than a minute, but I wasn't so sure. Uh, my friend Dean caught me, and he's like, you did it. You did it. Oh, I'm like, oh, like. And then so she came over at the end of the race. She hugged me. She's like, that was an amazing finish. And I don't think she knew. Well, actually, I know now. She didn't know. She thought that she had gotten second place. Oh. And um, Turns out that I did, and so it was just like that was so That's awesome. awesome. My coach, if it hadn't been for him yelling at me, I would have just been like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> I would have just finished the way I did. But yeah. you know, I, I felt like I was absolutely sprinting, and I saw a video and it's like slow jump. <laughs> Cyclist, but it's just so easy to 
go for a run. Yeah. Like it takes you five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe a little stretch, throw your shoes on, and that's about it. We're cycling, it, it's a process. Yeah. And, and so that goes with what you're talking about. Like it's not as simple as like, all right, well you cycle from five to 6.30 a.m. Like that's already a lot, where most people aren't doing that. Yeah. But it's the process before, oh, during, yeah. and after. Getting your clothes together, your shoes, your you know the right bike shoes, the helmet, all the nutrition that you need the during the ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just the gear collecting. Yeah. You have so many things to. It's yeah. every sports, and you're always packing a bag, and you know. And when you swim, do you swim at the Y or the and then, you know, the winter and then ponds. Cedar Lake yeah, or the Sound. Now, do you have, um, well, first of all, do you remember your first ever triathlon? You know, like, was it, a, uh, was it the Cedar Lake Tri or was it something along those lines? Cedar Lake, I did it, uh, I was injured running and I had taken up pool jogging trying to get back to running. And and then I saw Master Swimming start swimming and there were some triathletes that were like, you've got to try this Cedar Lake try. And because I had started biking a little bit. And uh, even like the, the day of, like we got there and I still was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do it. But I signed up and of course I loved it. I had a blast. Um, so for me that was, and that's a great series because it's, you get some fast competition, but it's also a great beginner series and it runs every other week during the summer. Uh, same course every time, so it's like familiar and, and it's short. And it's, it's short. short. That it's was a very short yeah, one, which exactly. Is... It was. Is it a quarter mile swim? Not even. Not like even. Yeah. Ten mile, mile bike and then um, three point two mile run or three point five k. Yeah, five k. So. Yeah. That was mine. Yours was. Mine like, was. Yours was big no, mine was um like the Y Y S C A triathlon training program. Like you know, indoor kind of track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had been a runner, and um, back in my twenties, I ran the New York City Marathon four times. And on the fourth time finishing, I crossed the finish line. And I'm like, what's next? I needed a bigger challenge. I needed something. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to do an Ironman. I really didn't know anything about Ironman except that I saw Kona on TV a couple yeah. times. And, I was like, I'm going to do that, and I was 25, and I just always had it in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, life got busy. I, I went back to school, got my master's, became a teacher, and then I got married, and I had kids. There was always an excuse, and I'm like, all right, I'll give myself till 30, I'll give myself till 40. And then for, at 42, I guess it was, um, I saw an ad, a friend had done this triathlon training program at the Y, and I'm like, I'm doing this. And then, so I, I signed up. It was so great. I would highly recommend it for anyone who's like even slightly interested in it. It's fun. It's social. It you know it's actually really good training. You meet really awesome people. And so I did that. And then you know I wanted to do a real outdoor triathlon. And my first one was quasi uh, Olympic. Um, and then yeah, a year after I did that training program at the Y, I did an Ironman. <laughs>
one sprint, one half, and then an iron. <laughs> I actually don't have a lot of racing experience. So couch, couch to Kona in seven couch years. Forget about couch to Kona. Yeah, it was yeah five years. Kona was my tenth triathlon race ever. Wow. I remember my um, when I first learned about triathlons. I was like, well, I'll just I'll just run on the treadmill a little bit, and then I'll hop on a bike, and then I'll finish in the water. And I was like, oh, you thought you had to choose? Well, I I, I was like, yeah, yeah, to swim, you know, because. It, I'm gonna be all sweaty, so it makes more sense to just do it that way. And then, like, that was the last time I ever did that because I was like, okay, I, I think I understand why they don't put the swim last now. Yeah. So I almost drowned, and then I decided, <laughs> all right, that's probably not a good idea. But anyway, yeah. So there's, it's it's funny how it all starts. How did you meet Ed? How did you get paired up with this coaching? I met Ed through a friend that I did the Y try with. Oh, cool. And um, then I knew that he had the cycle center, and I just and he had a team. Um, and I think before my first race, I'm like, she's like, you should join the team. You get the kit, you know. I'm like, all right. So I went over there and met him, and you know, chatted for a while. And instantly, he was, you know, everyone's like, and like, makes you feel great. And I, you know, I'm like a absolutely, you know, not an experienced triathlete, but he basically just, you know. Took us under his wing pretty quickly, and um, yeah, I I met him. I might have been. We had done some group rides because you and a few other people, and um, right off of that, I, I liked him. And he's fun to be around. He's funny. Um, he's a great coach. Yeah, I mean, he's really knowledgeable, and also he's one of us. You know, like he trains right there with you, and you but know, he's also beautiful. you know he'll give it to you straight, even if it's like not necessarily what you want to hear. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't have a bike a little bit. Um, 
kind of like during off season when we would train um, and loved it. I loved the off-road stuff. It's just there's something kind of freeing about, you know, being out on two wheels, going up over rocks. I just, I love the challenge of it. Every time you go out, it's a different, you know, the same trail can pose like different things. Um, now, gravel racing, it is, or gravel riding even, um, it's kind of an in-between of mountain bike and road bike um, because you have, it looks like a frame for a road bike, but you have thicker tires. Um, not as thick as mountain bike, not as thin as road tires. Um, most gravel bikes don't have shocks like a mountain bike either, so um, while you can, I've taken my gravel bike on some mountain bike trail, you definitely forces you to be, um, you have to have a lot of finesse, right, to like get up over, you, know, you go around, you really pick your line, because you can't just, you know, run into something like, you, you know, this, with a mountain bike, the shocks will just right. put you up and over, you know, you wouldn't get a flat or go over the handlebars <laughs> on a gravel bike. Um, but they do, there's lots of different, um, options with gravel riding. I did a race called Ras Petitza in Vermont last year. Um, it was spring, but it was like we had hail and snow. Crazy. It's the coldest I've ever been. More hail um, for you guys. I did. Yeah. I was <laughs> used to it. Yeah, I was in when, when we finished that race. A lot of people did not finish and had to be um, gotten cars and stuff to be driven back. It was. It's the coldest I've ever been. Um, I couldn't like undress myself. It was really bad. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. But it's neat because you get to go off road. You know, a lot of I think you're seeing a bigger trend towards that because you don't have to worry about cars. Um, although you do a little bit. I, I ride gravel and cock content. You, you, nowadays, especially with COVID. You're seeing, you know, more cars kind of off-roading out there, but for the most part, it's just there's no traffic. You're in nature, um, having that little bit of like rough roads, carrying on down those roads, um, even doing interval. You know, she met me for an interval workout going up some of the hills, and it's it's great because it's like this is a hill like you have on the road, but then you have the added element of you know you've got loose rocks, so like you're trying to climb, but you're also like working out because you're going up just to add insult to injury, but it's like a fun pain, right? Like it's awesome. Um, and um, so they have these like super long endurance gravel, like here in Kansas, like you can do 100 miles, 200 miles. And so you're having to plan nutrition just like you would for an Ironman, carry all, you know, if you have a fly, you can carry all that stuff, carry lights with you. Um, I have not done anything like that yet, but it's definitely. I think it varies, um, you know, especially out like dirty Kansas, I think is like, I don't think it's loops. Um, I'm not positive though, I don't know enough about it, but, but they're, they're in these states where it's like, they just have so much room. Um, the the Rasputitsa race in Vermont, that one was a little bit shorter, although the, the next time they offered me, they're doing like the 16 mile option. I did the 40 mile or 30 something. Um, so it's fun, and then kind of like a version of, or something similar to it. Um, my gravel bike is actually a cyclocross bike, which so I've done some of those races too, and that is kind of a combination of um, like road and mountain bike together because you're doing a short track. It's usually like a mile or two miles, and it's through like um, natural terrain and. 
there are barriers that, you know, depending on the height, you can try to jump in with your bike, which I do not. Or you learn how to just not quickly pick up the bike and run and move forward. And it's got its own <laughs> technique with it, like how to dismount, how to mount. So you're practicing all that. Yeah, that's next. Yeah, exactly. So, what other bike does Megan not? Yeah, I know, I know. I definitely throw myself. I love. I grew up running, and for me, running will always be. Um, I just love it. I love the idea, whether it's swim, bike, or run, like propelling yourself. You're your own engine. Like that, to me, is like the best. The cycling kind of takes it to another level. She can go so far. I mean, we did so many centuries. I was yeah, once, once a week. week. For hour, yeah, I mean, it got to be like you didn't, you didn't even think about it, you know, which is nuts to me. Um, I don't know, it didn't feel like this. Right again, a mile on the weekend, this doesn't, but the, doesn't even doesn't register. Yeah, the beauty of the gravel bike that I'm loving is you can ride it on the road and be pretty fast, and then if you're like, oh, there's a trail, you pop off and you're now you're on the trail. So it's it's a great bike, and you can put road tires on it if you're going to be strictly on the road, and it's almost like just like a road bike. I think you'll see a lot more of that. Has your has your body taken a toll? Uh, I was thinking of this question more when you mentioned the lack of shocks. Like oh. your core is obviously working quite a bit to absorb. Yeah. Your joints are, but I mean, have you, have you not just injuries from hitting the ground, but have you actually felt or or do you feel it's fairly similar? Um, it's fairly similar. The riding is. I've actually. I, I've taken a little bit of break from running, which has been a little less wear and tear in my body. I have taken a few hits to the ground, um, mountain biking, like going off a jump. I hit the ground pretty hard and cyclocross, I heard gravel. I was on a road um, that's a little, you know, definitely more for a mountain bike and it was raining, so like the wheels hit a rock and I kind of pile drive it with my shoulder, but. Um, no worse for the wear. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, it's just it comes to the territory, the, you know. I've fallen over on my bike uh, when we did, oh yeah, we class him, a trainer tr trying to turn around in the sand. Megan comes um, back bloody. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But no, the riding, you know, and, and I'm training, instead of using heart rates, I'm doing these shorter, harder events, and I'm just really focusing a lot on, I'm using a, a specific cycling coach and focusing on things like cadence, um, power, and using them together, standing cadence, sitting cadence, it is, and it's been um, eye-opening to me to see how much that plays into riding. Because um, it's not all about power or speed, it's how efficient and how smart you can be using the terrain to your advantage. Yeah, so your oh, total yeah. finesse, yeah. And so, it, and it's playing out a little bit with the Tour de France, like people are trying to like, you know, analyze these riders' numbers and like, oh, their weight to watt ratio. But when it comes down to it, it's more about how they're using it and where they're holding back and where they're pushing. Um, so it's very much a mental strategy, which I love that aspect of it. So, yeah, so it's been fun. I'm excited actually. You know, Carrie's seen me. It's, I'm so different, right, compared to like when we were the triathlon training versus kind of what I'm doing now. But I'm definitely excited to get back on a TT bike and, you know, see, you know, I think it can only help, especially if you, you know, I'm using this now, but like to go back to heart rate, um, I would totally would do it for, you know, the endurance stuff. It works so well. And yeah, so. How do you think it will, it will be, 
you think you can power train for an Ironman, or would you want a heart rate train? Like, I think you for shoes, yeah. For me, right like, which one my age, I've had injuries. For me, the risk um, versus reward, heart rate wins hands down for, for the longest oh, time. Um, because as soon as you're, you know, your heart rate responds to like if you're injured or so it's like purpose, it, it immediately like sets you where you need to be. You know, you can't really push past it or you shouldn't. Once in a while I used to, but um, for power. Um, <laughs> She's smart. Yeah. <laughs> smart bodies. Based on a formula and your age, there's a number that you're really not supposed to train above while you're doing most of your training, but then some of the time you will go above it, like if you're doing an interval, interval day, yeah. or hill. And interval right. for like long distance is very different than interval for like short distance okay. in terms of intensity and length. Okay. Um, when you're thinking like an Ironman versus like a sprint or like a you know short cycling. Yeah. Okay. To begin with. 
Um, but if I want to have something bad for me, I do. It's, you know, I like to restrict anything, but, really. But what about, um, you know, so I'm going to run, you know, next Friday, my goal is 23 miles. Like, that's 2,500 calories that I'm burning that morning before my day starts. How do you compensate for that, or how do you how do you guys handle that when you're not you guys were doing that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on top of your two a days Monday through Thursday? So being a healthy eater is I, I it's gotta be hard to keep up with the calories. Well, I just eat all the time. I was always hungry. Well, always, always yeah. hungry. We would have like you know like I would get up early and eat like a pretty full breakfast. For me, it was like loaded oatmeal with like nuts and berries and peanut butter and all that. And ride, and while I was riding, have gels. Um, I used to tease her like oh. she had this Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> set up right like a buffet. You know, every hour <laughs> I was eating, and then we would finish, and then we would go to breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And I have, like, no, it's, it's a lot of food. So and look at them, like that's, my mom that's told the thing. Me, my mom told me you eat like an obese man, and <laughs> <laughs> I guess the truth, I actually do. But it's most That was eye-opening. You know, I had done, when I got into tries, I did mainly sprints in the Olympics, and I was like, I'm never going to do an Ironman. Like, I had no desire. And, but when we switched, I was like, not that I ever used to watch what I ate, but I realized, like, it was so important to really fuel. I, you know, I definitely underfueled for a few rides. I remember at Cycle Center, and just was like, and, and when you're done, you're done. Right. That's, that is the most, it is, remember that. It is the fourth discipline. You could be yeah. in the best shape physically of your life, and if you don't have your nutrition, you're racist. Nothing's yeah. moving, yeah, you're like, any food, yeah. And it's true, I'm living proof of it, truthfully, because I forced it all down the placid, and I finished, you know, strong, and I decided I'm not taking it anymore. I could muscle through the 13 miles in Kona, and I bonked badly. And when you when you bump, you just have nothing. It's like you're going on empty. Mm -hmm. Seriously, there there's nothing left in the tank. Yeah. And it feels lousy to be there, oh. really, physically and mentally. Like you go through all the your head. You feel it physically feel yeah. awful. Yeah. So it's you really it's really really important to keep up on it and just force yourself. Honestly, during an Ironman, nothing tastes good. Nothing. If it's solid, it's hard to get down. If it, you know, but you just have to. We would practice it too. Every long ride is not just a, you know, you're building your cardio, but every long ride is literally a practice of nutrition, eating every hour, drinking. Carrie was brilliant and had a timer, um, which would go off every <laughs> 20 minutes. I go, you know, just a little watch from Walmart. I take yeah. to my bike, and honestly, because you're out there you and you're track. cycling 100 miles. Mind is elsewhere, and you just forget. And it's not even like you're, you know, if you don't pay attention, it can easily go. You By know. the time you're hungry or thirsty, it's too late. Yeah. There's no making up for it for, for an Ironman. You know, if you get to that point, you're, if you cannot catch up. You know, if you try to catch up, you end up with like major stomach distress. So. I think if you don't, you know, most of it comes. Your nutrition is coming on the bicycle. Yeah. I mean, you, you have, you know, five and a half to six hours on that bike. Well, the swim is a little tough. You know, right after, but that bike is essential to get all that nutrition in. Yeah. yeah. Because on the run, you don't really feel like eating. 
that much. Yeah. yeah, I would try to save like gels for the end of the run, knowing like I didn't want to deal with that distress. Yeah. But there's all kinds of like so many things. We, you know, different gels have different amounts of caffeine, and like you know, you save one that has like I, I had a chocolate. Really? I hate it. I hate this chocolate one. No, we have our favorite chocolate cherry. You like chocolate cherry? Oh man, hundred
amazing. They have more volunteers than athletes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's and to register, like, they class yourself. Do you have to volunteer the year before? Or it used to be that way when there weren't so many Ironman races all yeah. over the world, but since they've exploded, like, it's, you can get into pretty much any race without having a volunteer. But that's how it used to work in yeah. Placid. Probably, I would say, it stopped in 2000. I, in 2013, I had to volunteer to sign up. Actually, you, you don't have to, but you get first dibs at signing up for the race. And it does, I mean, Placid used to sell out very quickly. It is like, well, it's the most nostalgic, I think, because yeah. it was the first Ironman outside of Hawaii. And we did it during their 20th, or 20th, yeah. 20th, and Kona 20th, was the 40th. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That was a big year, 2018. It was the 20th anniversary of Placid and the 40th of Kona. It's pretty exciting. It's a good year to do well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one quick fun question. You, you can't even think about the answer. Ready to go. Will you qualify for Kona again? Yes. Yes. Will you be the first Ironman in the next 10 years? Probably. Oh, yes. <laughs>